Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Questions for Corbett. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, here in the beautiful sunny climes of Western Japan. And for those of you keeping track at home, this is Questions for Corbett, edition 101. And this time, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to answer not a question plucked from the mailbag, not a question from the CorbettReport.com comment section, but a question that I received in real life, in the flesh, in face-to-face -face interactions plural, from, with multiple people at the Better Way conference in the UK. Yes, as I'm sure you know by now, I was in England uh, just a couple of weeks ago attending the conference, and I got to meet a lot of people. And that was a wonderful and important experience, which I do have more to say about. I'll get into that a bit later. But uh, it was great to meet people and to shake their hands, to get hugs, to see into people's eyes as they're telling me about the work that I've done and what it means to them. It's, it's a wonderful and important and humbling human experience. So it was a great experience. And of course, people are asking me questions, talking to me, telling me about where they're standing. But it was interesting to me, something that struck me right away upon entering the conference space and meeting a bunch of people, is that there was one question that was I won't say inevitably, but in case after case after case, the first question that people wanted to ask me, sometimes if they knew they only had time to ask me one question, this would be it. And that question was, so do you think we're going to win this thing? <laughs> hmm, good question. All right, well, the answer is yes, we are. Don't forget to hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. I'll see you later. Oh... Okay, all right, all right. I guess you might think that I was trolling or something if I came up with that response. But actually, really, I am half tempted to end the video there because honestly, I think the reason that people are asking this is because they want the assurance that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. And if that is what they're looking for, I am happy to be that assurance. Yes, we are going to win this thing. Humanity will prevail the technocrats and the eugenicists and the schemers will not win in the end. I really and truly believe that. And as I've said many, many times, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd be off just enjoying what's left of my life until we're all locked down in the technocratic control grid, right? So yes, I do think that we are going to win this. And if that is, if people are just asking because they want that assurance, they just want to hear that, I'm happy to provide that. But since this is the Corbett Report and since you've bothered to invest a few minutes of your time today with me here. Well, let's make it worth your time and let's look at that, that question and that response in a little bit deeper detail. Because, um, as I say, yes, I do think humanity, at the very least, as I always say, has a shot at this. I don't think we are doomed, um, but it is realistically not going to be an easy road from here to there on the other side of this parasitic class that is constantly trying to prey on humanity. And we have some very dark, very troubling things on the horizon, many of which you will already know about, not just from the Corbett Report, but from any number of alternative media sources. We'll be happy to tell you all about the problems we are facing and their deep, in fact, existential threat that they are posing to humanity itself and the very, very dark roads we could be heading down. But if we are going to answer this question with any sort of sense of of real meaning, I think we have to not simply frame this in a negative oppositional sense. As in, we can't just simply say, can we 
stop what they are doing? Can we avoid what they are doing to us? Because that leaves out, I think, the perhaps most important part of this hypothetical future that we're aiming towards, which is, what are we aiming towards? Because yes, it is one thing to say, you know, that we know that the technocrats and the genetic manipulators and the people who are trying to fill us up with their medical interventions and garbage and keep us locked in our homes and claim climate emergency is the reason you have to eat crickets and whatever else. We, we know that, yeah, don't want that, don't want that, don't want that. But if we do not have an articulation of what it is we do want, what is our vision for the future of humanity, what do we want on the other side of this, then how are we ever going to get there? It is an exceptionally important thing to understand our own vision for the future. Now, I am, of course, as you know, I am not uh, an egotistical person who thinks I'm going to dictate what the future of humanity should be for everyone. Of course not. And I wouldn't listen to anyone who was telling me what the future of humanity ought to be, because that itself is the technocratic mindset that believes that we should be engineered, everyone should be managed and centrally controlled into some centralized vision of one planner who knows what's best for everyone and blah blah blah. Obviously, if that's what I'm opposing, then I have to have a very, very different conception of what it means to have a vision for the future of humanity. So I am certainly not here to impose any top-down vision of what I think we should be aiming for, but I am I'm here for a couple of reasons today, actually maybe a few. One is to simply articulate the need for formulating some sort of vision, um, at the very least at the personal level. What do you personally want for the future? And what are you aiming at? And I think there's probably, let's, let's take a moment, I'm not pointing any fingers here, but I think there's probably a lot of people in the audience who have never actually sat, sat down and set out their vision for the future. So I invite people who think that this might be a worthwhile activity to engage in it, to actually, maybe with an actual pen on actual paper, can you remember those days, actually take a moment to write down your vision for the future. And let's, whatever, the, 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 the central planners, the micromanagers, the people who want to control you and ultimately cull you from the human population, from the gene pool, have their vision agenda 2030, whatever all of these plans that we know about, and they're all weirdly centered on the year of 2030 at this point, but anyway, why don't we have a vision for our 2030, the people's 2030, something along those lines? Anyway, it could be whatever, 2027, whatever it is, whatever arbitrary line in the future you want to aim towards, perhaps there should be multiple. By 2025, by 2029, by 2032, by 20... Maybe you should have multiple things. But at any rate, try to actually articulate what it is, where you want to be at different stages in the future, what you want to be happening in your life, what you would like to see society in two years, in five years, in ten years. And then, then we can start articulating what specifically needs to be done to reach those goals, right? Again, this is not groundbreaking stuff. I know you've heard it a million times in a million different contexts, but weirdly enough, it's not often mentioned in this context. Are we going to make it? Yes. Okay. Now I can just go back to whatever I'm doing. No, no. Are we going to make it? Yes. If we want to make it here, then we're going to have to do this and this and this and this. How many times has that really been properly articulated? So that is something that I, I suppose maybe that would be something that I should be doing for a future Solutions Watch. And I invite you to participate with me in that 
hypothetical at this point, future edition of Solutions Watch, by listing your game plan, what it is you specifically want to see, and how specifically you're going to reach those goals. And if everyone comes together and shares those ideas, and I can draw from them, and I can share my ideas, and I think that might be a fruitful endeavor, a real enterprise that we could be engaged in that would be more productive than simply analyzing the problems from yet another perspective, right? Um, but just as sort of a, a broad estimate of some of those things that would be involved, some of my concerns for the future of humanity are not about, not necessarily about they, them, those, and what they're doing. Of course, those are concerns. But it's my concern more so, what about us? What are we doing? What kind of us will exist on the other side of, let's say we do manage to get rid of this parasitic class that's preying on us. Yay, okay. What about us? What, what will be left on the other side for, of us? Who are we? And what are, what are we grasping towards? And what kind of community will be existing on that other side? And that's something that weighs on my mind a lot these days. The idea of community itself. Um, even if you took out the they, them, those from this altogether, uh, I think you would see from the comment section of basically anywhere on the internet, there would be nothing but people attacking each other and fighting with each other and hating each other, even though I agree with you on 99.9999% of everything that's important to humanity, but I disagree with you on that 0.0001% and my God, you're going to hear about it. Oh, I hate you. I hate you. And to a certain extent, I understand why that takes place because down at our level of the power pyramid, we are not interacting with the the whoever's, the, the Kissingers and Rockefellers and Rothschilds and their ilk and their, their toadies, we're not interacting with them on a day-to-day -day basis. No, we're interacting with, you know, Joe728, the internet user on this other forum, and he's the one that I'm talking to, so he's going to hear all about this problem, and he's causing this problem, and ah, I hate this guy because he said that thing, as opposed to looking at sort of the bigger picture and who are we really fighting at. So coming together with a sense of community, and community does not mean I agree with everyone about everything all the time, and we live in happy harmony, yay, kumbaya. It means, yeah, no, with differences and with disagreements, we can still cooperate and still recognize that we are not each other's enemies. So my vision for 2030, again, I'm not articulating that here, that will be in that hypothetical future edition of Solutions Watch, but at any rate, some rough estimate of that. It will involve something to do with the community that is being formed that will be the productive side of what will be left on the other side of this, this chasm of time between here in our oppressed and oppressive reality to the future nirvana where we're all going to be living together, right? Well, who? Living together in what way? Under what structure? Or does there need to be a structure? Uh, another thing that I'm deeply concerned about and continue to be uh, concerned about, which is kind of a related thing that I brought up, uh, as you've seen in my recent talk at the Better Way Conference, I did talk about the idea of the media and of language and those as being somewhat intertwined concepts, because I think our our vocabulary, not just in terms of raw terms of the words that we use, although that too, but also the way that we put words together, the way we express them, the form that we, we are interacting and communicating in, is not always simply linguistic in the most basic sense, not in just in terms of raw words, it's also in the format and the medium in which these words are conveyed. So I'm talking not just about words, but also memes and whatever else the kids are using these days to convey ideas to each other, uh, I am deeply concerned about the way that A, actual, real, face-to-face -face human interaction is being 
increasingly marginalized, increasingly put as a secondary part of our lived human experience in, in service of the digital version of communication, which I suspect for a great many people in the audience today probably takes up more of their time than actual human interaction at this point. Um, even people who are gainfully employed will probably find themselves staring at a screen more so than an actual face-to-face -face conversation with real human beings. And I find that very worrying, very disturbing. I think if we're heading down that road, then it doesn't even, it doesn't even particularly matter about the they, them, those who are oppressing us. If we are continuing along this constant push towards more and more digital interaction, well, that's, that's what the they, them, those are after anyway. So even if they weren't there, that, that road that we're on is, in my humble opinion, a if not a wrong road, at least we are heading too far down that road. Um, so my vision for the future would be involving less of our, uh, more of a balance, shall we say, where instead of having mostly digital interaction and a bit of human interaction, it would be mostly human interaction and a bit of digital interaction. How do we get from here to there, of course, is the question. So again, for future hypothetical episodes, perhaps, of Solutions Watch, we can be talking about that. But that would be something that I'm... Uh, deeply concerned about, partly because I think uh, the, that, that skewing of digital versus human interaction has led to the debasement and degrading of our language, our ability to communicate, our ability to read and understand other people's thoughts. Because I really have noticed, there is a, I, I've talked about this before, you go and watch man on the street interviews from the 1950s and 60s, where you would have people actually usually you know, well-dressed people and well-coiffed and talking in complete sentences with, you know, multi-clausal sentences where thoughts flow from one to the next. And you can contrast that with uh, man-on-the-street interviews from today where people are barely able to string a few words together. It, there is a demonstrable difference there, and I think it's not simply the, uh, the context of the medium in which they're being uh, put together. I mean, obviously, if you're going out with a film crew in the 1950s or 60s, you're going to be more selective with who you're targeting for your man on the street interview, etc. So there may be some difference than people walking around with their pervasive digital devices recording everything they see today. But having said that, I still think there is an appreciable difference in people's ability to articulate themselves. Uh, there has been, a, I think, a definite decrease in communicative ability, also in interpretive ability. Um, I've noticed this, of course, as being someone who communicates for a living, I certainly notice when people are able to understand the concepts I'm conveying and when they completely miss the point, um, and when for example, one, one word used in this context, in this way, at this point, in this hour-long presentation, will suddenly be the only thing of relevance. Oh my god, that word! As opposed to the, you know, the greater context of the hour-long presentation. People's ability to take in, absorb, contextualize information is also being degraded and debased. And I think that is partly because of this digital communication we are more and more involved in. And as evidence of that, I won't just point to the man-on-the-street interviews 50 years ago versus today, but even online discourse 20 years ago versus today. Uh, in my research, I was looking at some early interpretation and talking about the Patriot Act. So this was online 2002-2003 uh, in various online fora, and I was reading the discussions that went on, and they were much more articulate, much more nuanced, much more uh, able to have actual back and forth with points of agreement versus points of disagreement, but I concede this point. There was more actual communication and interaction going on at that point than I have seen in many, many years online. And 
if I can find that particular thread that I was looking at, I will link it up. I don't suspect I will because this was some months back, but I remember being very struck by the type of conversation and discourse that was going on on the internet 2002-2003 versus the type you will see today. There has been a definite degradation in people's ability to listen, to interpret information, to contextualize it, etc. These are all, as I think, I think these are extremely important things that we need to be thinking about and focusing on on our long-term path towards our vision for the future of humanity. But, um, more importantly for the purposes of today, I just want to articulate this, that we need some sort of vision that we are striving towards. Otherwise, my pithy, yes we are, will not quite suffice as an answer. Yes we are heading in the right direction, if we can reach this goal and this goal, and if we can work towards this, if we can do this. So, as I am wont to do occasionally on this podcast, I'm going to turn the tables back over to you and hand you the mic. Questions for you. What do you think? Not just do you think we're going to make it? But specifically, make it where? Make it how? What do we need to specifically do point by point to reach this particular goal? And I think the more specific we are in articulating our answers to this, the better chance we have in actually achieving something. So whether that's on the topic of food independence or medical independence or whatever it is, media independence or whatever is on your mind, whatever you think we need to be working towards and how do we get there. I'm very interested in your take on this. And as I say, uh, the more interesting takes on this and the the, uh, responses I get, the better I will be able to uh, put together some sort of solutions watch episode in the future on this subject in which I can articulate that yes we are answer in a little bit greater detail. Having said all of that, uh, yes, uh, you may have noticed me talking about this recently. Yes, human interaction versus digital interaction, I think, is important. And if you are if you are interested in my thoughts on that, I do have some further thoughts that I shared recently in the uh, subscriber newsletter on uh, the weekend that I came back from uh, England. I did have uh, Tales from the Jetlagged Underground, where I had a little section on meeting people is easy, talking about the actual human interactions that I had at the conference. And I also had a subscriber-exclusive video, um, which unfortunately my microphone wasn't working properly there, so it's poor audio. But once you get past that, uh, just uh, reflecting on uh, a somewhat lighter funnier question that I also received from multiple people at the conference that you might be interested in. If you are interested in that, of course, you can go uh, to CorbettReport.com. The link will be in the show notes to that particular subscriber newsletter. Corbett Report members can log in and watch that subscriber-exclusive video. If you're not a Corbett Report member, why not? I, of course, need your support to do what I do, and I very much appreciate it. But on that note, I think we're going to end it here today. So to reiterate the main point of today's question, uh, are we going to make it? Yes. We're going to win this thing. But how is the real question. All right. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there for today. Thank you for your time and attention. I'm looking forward to talking to you again in the near future.